0: Amen. All right. Well, praise the Lord. It's, it is Father's Day. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm glad to be a dad. It's one of the greatest blessings I have in life is to be a father, that my wife has honored me with that. And thank you, honey. Appreciate it. Thanks very much. Glad to have a beautiful wife. You know, I was on the scale, just I'm trying to stay away from sugars and, and bread, and I've been pretty good for a while, except I ate birthday cake the other night. I realized that uh, I'm not... So supposed to eat that but it was good so uh, I've had a few breakdowns here and there but I was on the scale and I I pulled in my belly and Cheryl said pulling in your belly doesn't help and I said you have no idea how much it helps I "I actually can't see the scale unless I pull in my belly so so but you gotta gotta love your wife she's awesome amen amen uh Professor David Popano, David Popeno, he said in his book, Life Without a Father, he said, depriving children of fathers has become the most prevalent form of child maltreatment in America today. Now, fathers are important. Fathers are very, very important in your life. One of my favorite guys, Jim Valvano, was a great basketball coach, a real amazing guy. But he said, my father gave me the greatest gift anyone could give another person. He believed in me. He believed in me. It's good to get notes from my kids today and saying, thanks, Dad, for believing in me. Thanks, Dad, for being there for me. That's pretty awesome to feel that, you know? I I love my kids. Um, uh, Dylan, one time, it was report card day. We knew it was report card day. And, you know, when he came home, I said, where's your report card? And he said, I I lent it to my friend. And I went, I said, now, this is a good one. This is a new one. You lent it to your friend? How come? He says, oh, he wanted to take it to his parents just to scare them a little. So... uh, (laughs) I said, that's, that's funny. So, uh, that's good. You know, my dad always said, son, you'll never get anything done if you keep on procrastinating. I said, oh yeah? You just wait and see. You just, you just wait. I had Carly on my shoulders one time and she was pulling my hair. I said, if you keep pulling my hair, I'm going to have to take you off my shoulders. She said, but daddy, how will I get my gum back? So... Now, this, this really is, uh, this is really true now. It really is. But we were, my son was with me. He's just a little boy and we were, He used to hate going to nursing homes and stuff like that, but sometimes I'd drag him with me and he was terrified because all the folks wanted to hug him and, you know, pull him and poke him. Carly loved to go. Carly, she would just disappear. She'd go through every floor, just, hey, everybody, it's me. It was so awesome. But Dylan, he didn't like it at all, but I was talking to this one lady and sharing what the Lord had done, you know, in some of our mission trips and things, and Dylan was there, and then Dylan turned to me walking in. He said, dad, are you telling the truth or were you preaching? I said, I said, he really said that. I said, son, I'm always telling the truth. He said, oh, okay then. That was good. Yeah, so, so when Carly was a little girl, we moved into the neighborhood and, uh, down in uh, uh, White Oaks and we were walking uh, down the street and the fellow said, oh, you're the new folks moved in over there. And he said, look at you, little girl. You're so cute. And he said, what's your daddy do for a living? Oh, my daddy doesn't work. He's a preacher. <laughs> I looked at her and said, no, I, I, I do. I do stuff. I can't, I can't think of what it is I do right now, but I I do stuff, honestly. So anyway, but uh, I had to tell her later, don't say that. She says, but Daddy, you are. I went, yeah, but I work. Oh, she said, really. So I thought that was pretty good. Transforming lives to impact their world. That's what we're all about. That's impact. You ready? Transforming lives to impact their world. And you know, we are in London for London. That's why we're here, because we love this city. Amen? We are in London for London. You know, we are here, but like I said last time, if we are here, it doesn't matter if we're here unless it gets there. So whatever happens here, it's like the upper room. If they got baptized in the Holy Ghost, the upper room, and they just had a wonderful time together in the upper room, but it never spilled out into the streets, we wouldn't have what's going on today churches all over the world steeples all over the world it's amazing how the church has advanced but what is going on here has to get there because we are in london for london can i get a hallelujah all right luke 15 1 to 3 gonna share it with you again but tax collectors other notorious sinners tax collectors their own category of evil people tax collectors and notorious sinners often came to jesus to listen to him teach This made the Pharisees and teachers and religious law people, they complained and they said, I can't believe he's associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. So, say so. So, So Jesus told these parables, some of the most popular parables, the lost coin, the lost sheep, the lost son, very, very popular. But Jesus, why did he tell these stories? He told these stories because of the attitude of the religious people. Folks, we got to be hanging around with sinful people, even notorious sinners. I mean, these are, Jesus was a friend of sinners. And you know what, as he was sent, so we are sent. You know, we should have living, meaningful relationships where those people see us, and even the worst of the worst, which I was one, I was a really good sinner. I don't know about you, but I was a really good sinner. That's why I'm so grateful that God's a merciful God because I wouldn't even been so kind to myself. My goodness, but he's a good God. But because they were so uptight and said, I can't believe he's even eating with these people. I mean, it wasn't just, you know, I know a couple sinners. He sat down at a table with them. He had meals with them. And this totally freaked out these religious folks. But folks, Jesus came. He said, I didn't come for the righteous. I came for the unrighteous. I didn't come for those who think they're healthy. I didn't come for those who think they're well. I came for those who know they're not well and ready to receive the help they need. God, sent a savior. He sent a redeemer because that's what we need. We didn't need a teacher for some instruction or a doctor to to heal a little outer wound. We have something broken way down on the inside that only the love of God, only the uh, intercession of God himself giving his life for my life, only that would literally change what's going on in a sinful world. We needed God himself to intervene. We needed God himself to become a man and do what none of us could ever do. He died for all of our sin and he lived a righteous life so we can be the righteousness of God in Christ. And you can never do it. It's not life to all who behave. It's life to all who believe. And he came to be my savior. He came to be Lord of all. And I thank God that Jesus is the savior of the world. Amen. We talked about Jonah and Jonah, how Jonah had such a nasty attitude. You know, he said, the reason I ran away, the reason I didn't go to that evil city, the reason I didn't talk to notorious sinners was, and this is crazy stuff. He said, because I knew you're merciful. I knew you're compassionate. I know you're slow to get angry. You're filled with unfailing love. And I know that you're eager to turn back from destroying people. And because I knew that about you, I didn't want to tell the people in trouble about you. How crazy is that? But Jonah wrote that to address that attitude in us. Jonah wrote that to confront if there's anything in us that doesn't see how imperative it is to share the good news with people that are messed up and broken. Amen. Thank you, Ed. Pat, give me an amen Had a grunt over here really important. So I hope we dealt with Joan and got that out of our system because, you know, we got a responsibility to manifest the goodness of God to people. Last week, we talked about Jeremiah 29, talked about uh, Psalms, hanging your harp, and these people who, you know, they were taken into captivity, but instead of going into the city, and you know what? I I think you could build a case for that. I think you might say, well, they were pretty righteous. I mean, you could probably build a case for the fact that, you know, they didn't want to identify with the wicked folk. They stayed outside. They didn't want to blend in with that evil community, but then the word of the Lord came to them, and he said, go in the city, build in the city, plant in the city, like sow into the city, be a blessing in the city, increase in the city, your sons and daughters marry, you marry, increase in the city, and then he said, pray for the city, and then he said, command the peace of God on the city, and he said, the peace that rests on the city will also be your peace, because in its peace, you will have peace. Folks, we're not here in London just hanging out and having our little secret society until God gets us out of this mess. We're in London to be transformative. We're in London to see that London is transformed by the loving kindness of God. We're here in this city to bring the goodness and the grace of God to every single living, breathing person. That's why we're here, and that's the purpose of God. And we've got to love London. We're not against it. We're not mad at it. We love the city, and God loves this city. And like God's not saying... Help get rid of more sin. Shovel more sin out of the city and I might come. Like I go to prayer meetings like just get the sin out of the city so God can come. God comes to sinners. God comes to brokenness. God comes where there's mess and where there's pain. If you don't know that he does, look at yourself. Did you get yourself all perfect and goody-two-shoes? And then God said, boy, now I want to hang out with you. No, while you were a mess, he was always there. He pursued you from day one. And he's on a hot pursuit of the city. And nothing else needs to be done for the city to be forgiven. Jesus already did it all. We've just got to announce, I got really good news for you. You're forgiven, and you're healed, and you're free. Jesus paid it all in full. Come on and enter into the good news of God. I don't want to get on my soapbox, but I'm so annoyed with believers that spend more time hanging around in little pity, self-pity crying sessions. Oh, God, please do something. It's messy down here. And he's banging his head going, what is the matter with those people? It's an offense to the finished work of the cross to be begging God to do what he's already done. Yikes-a-rooney. right. You know, next week, we're actually going to have a photo booth. We're going to take the flag in a black backdrop, and we're going to get a sign made up. He has dominion from sea to sea and from the rivers to the ends of the earth. So come early and get your picture taken. and We'll put, you know, a sign on it, and you put it on your Facebook and say, Happy Birthday, Canada. He has dominion from sea to sea and the rivers to the ends of the earth. Isn't that exciting? How many think that's a good idea? All right. That was Judy Smeltzer's idea. I thought it was a good idea, so we're going to do it. So that's good. Hey? Right? Come on, because we want to bless our nation. 150 years. A triple jubilee. I mean, Freedom Cubed. Come on. How many are looking for just a wild, crazy breakout all over Canada? Tell you, revival is moving big time because people are realizing that God's ready. He's just waiting on us. I mean, oh my goodness. You don't have to beg him to get out of heaven. He's here. It's all good. Can I get a Hallelujah. All right, thank you, Pastor. All right, so we're here for London. So I'll give you a little picture here. This is the uh, Humane Society of the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. That's just a picture from years ago. But back in like the late 1700s, 1800s, off of the coast of Massachusetts, they had, uh, there's a little bit of a reef out there, a, 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 a... kind of a difficult area there but ships would come in and they would start to wreck on those reefs and then the people, there was nobody there to save them and then sometimes if people did wash up on shore, some of them died on the shore because they had no relief or there was no food or no help or no shelter. So what they decided to do was, what we're going to do is we're going to set up huts all along the beaches and we're going to fill those huts with food and with firewood and things and we're also going to have a a boat at those huts And, and they said, you know what we should also do? We should man those huts. Somebody should be at those huts. Every night somebody should be there, and then if we hear that somebody's broken up out there, what we're going to do is we're going to call together, and they designed those boats. They had them specially designed and tested that they could handle rough water. In the worst of water, in the worst of storms, they would jump in those boats, and they would row into the face of a nasty storm, and they would row into shipwrecks to bring people and to save people. And it's just amazing that society still exists today, but now the Coast Guard has taken over what they did do, but they still have meetings and give scholarships, and they still do things and have lunches and have banquets and all dress up and have parties, but nobody's actually saving any lives anymore. Kind of sounds like church. It's pretty awesome when we had that vision, had that passion. But now we just kind of gather Sundays, say a few ha-ha's, birthday cake once in a while, a couple picnics in the park. Woohoo! But are we really touching any lives? I know we are, I know we are, but here's a society, and it still does great stuff. They, they train people, they, they, they give awards to people for swimming and all kinds of things, but, but there's not actually any life-saving going on. Anyway, I do like their motto. When they first started, here was their motto, you have to go out, you don't have to return. That was their motto. You have to go out, you don't have to return. Anybody willing, come on, sign up now. I'll, I'll. You know, that's the thing, you have to go out. Listen to me. Impact Church, you have to go out. You don't have to return. You have to invade situations where there's pain. I mean, literally, if you're a firefighter, you're a policeman, you're Daniel, and some of these people do these services, you know, you go out. And some of these people, sometimes, you know, there's tragedy. Sometimes they don't return. Sometimes you go to a big nasty fire, and you go in there, and, and you know, you're not sure. You're going in, and you're fighting for the lives of people there, and something terrible could happen. You know what? You have to respond you don't have to return. We have to respond to the needs in our community, and we got to get out there, and we got to put ourselves in places where people are experiencing difficulty and experiencing pain. Here's a picture of some first responders, but you have them all up here, and I'm so grateful for first responders, but let me tell you this. You are a first responder. You are God's first response. You are. God has no other plan. The bell is ringing right now. If you can't hear it, you don't understand. Right now, there are people in danger. There's people at risk, and the bell is ringing. And there's no other plan to save them except you. There's no plan B. It's you. If you don't get in the face of people that are broken and hurt and their lives are falling apart, and even in the face of people who are living their lives in an attitude of excellence, a spirit of wonderful, and yet nonetheless going to a lost eternity. There's people, if you don't know Jesus, you're in full-on danger. You really are. Not someday, but right now, if people don't know Jesus, they are in a dangerous, dangerous place. And I don't know if we really get that. Because we think, well, you know, hopefully, maybe they'll deal with it before Jesus returns. you got to understand that, that right now, there's three basic spirits in the earth. There's demonic spirits, there's the spirit of God, and there's the spirit of mankind. But right now until Jesus returns, there's still demonic spirits and forces of darkness that are wrecking lives out there every day. There's homes breaking up, there's lives being affected by disease, there's there's turmoil, there's there's nasty, you know, uh, storms and things that aren't from God. These are things stirred up right from the pit of hell to hinder, to harm, to kill and destroy. And, you know, we've got to be the first ones to respond. You know, I am really grateful for this, that when that problem happened in Haiti, you know, the very first airplane to land in Port-au-Prince when the earthquake took place, after the earthquake, the first responders to that earthquake were Samaritan's Purse, which was Billy Graham's organization. It was the church that showed up first. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? And I think the church should always be showing up first. When there's pain, we shouldn't be the people that are, you know, back somewhere else going, well, hope somebody does something over there. And we should be the first to respond when there's pain and when there's difficulty, and we should always be there. Can you all smile at each other? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much. All right. So for 2nd Peter chapter 3 verse 9. 2nd Peter 3 verse 9. This is from the New Living Translation. It says the Lord isn't really slow about his promise. So some people are like, like what's God doing? When's he coming back? What's going on? Where is he? He said the Lord's not slow about his promises. Some people think, "No, he's being patient for your sake because he does not want anyone to be destroyed, but he wants everyone to get back on top to repent. He wants everyone to align themselves and get restored to the Father. He does not want anyone to be destroyed. What is the will of the Father? It is not His will. It's not His desire. He doesn't. He's being patient right now because He doesn't want anybody to be destroyed. Father, how do you feel about my neighbors? I don't want any of them to be destroyed. How do you feel about the people I work with? I don't want any of them to be destroyed. How do you feel about my family? I don't want any of them to be destroyed. That's the will of God. That's the passion of the Father. And he wants you to be the first responder in that situation. He wants you to be there. But you may not even really understand that they are in grave danger. Not someday, but right now, people are in grave danger. Amen. As close as I'm going to get to a fire and grimstone sermon, it really is. So if you like those, you know, get excited right now. All right. John 3, 16 to 18. Here it is. Look what it says. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him, it's not whoever behaves right, but it's whoever believes. It's not whoever behaves right, but it's he who believes. Whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. How do you get everlasting life? Believe on him. What is the desire of God? Why did he send his son? He sent his son to die, his only son to die, his only son to give his life, his only son to respond to the purpose and the pain of mankind. God did that because he doesn't want anyone to perish so does God want anyone to perish does God want anyone to perish does God want anyone to perish no he doesn't he really doesn't God wants to redeem he wants to restore he wants to deliver mankind from this plight he wants to set him free for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world give me another slide but he sent them into the world that through him it might be saved he wants to save the world that's what he wants He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is. Say is. He who does not believe will be condemned. No, he who does not believe is condemned. Not will be, not someday, but right now there is condemnation. There is brokenness. There is open access to demonic attack. There's open access to pain, harm. There's open access to the prince of the darkness of this world. These people are, if they don't believe that person is condemned already because he's not believed, not, not that he hasn't behaved right, not that he hasn't, you know, done and looked like a good Christian, but simply straight up. Aren't you glad that God made the bar really, really low? He said, all you gotta do is Believe. Just believe. He who believes on the Son shall be saved. If you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved. You and your household. Believe. We, we keep on teaching behave. you got to behave right and come to God. No, just believe. Because, you know, the behave part, only he can deal with, and it's only him that does it. If you start performing after you get in and start, now I'm going to try to behave right, you're just going to be miserable and ugly. Let the spirit of God work in you. Let the fruit of God be manifest that only comes from a living, abiding relationship. Is condemned already because he did not believe in the only begotten son of God. If you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you have eternal life. Eternal life, eternal life, life that is full and free and powerful and wonderful, devoid of sin, of pain, of all the mess that we see. Jesus is going to come back and we're going to have a life with him forever where every painful, nasty thing is removed once and for all and we will live with him in absolute peace and freedom and liberty and joy. And what do you do to get that? Only believe. People need to hear, there's a message, there's something they need to hear, and folks, you are the first responders with that message. John three thirty six. go to the bottom. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. Do you believe in the Son? It says, if you believe in the Son, you have everlasting life. It's a good place to say, whoa. Straight up, he who believes in the Son has everlasting life. He who does not believe in the Son shall not see life, but... The wrath of God abides on him. What does that mean? The wrath, that, that whole aspect of, of brokenness, of pain, the sense of separation, that's not waiting to be manifest on people. People are experiencing that right now. I had somebody who lived beside some neighbors. They were good neighbors, fun. They figured these people got it all together. And, you know, this fellow was talking to me one day. He says, man, you won't believe what happened last night. I said, what happened? He says, we had our neighbors over and we were talking with them and just having a nice night. And then they were about to leave. And, and the wife looked up and she said, we see you guys going with your big Bibles to church every Sunday morning. And you know, I went, yeah, that's what we do, yeah. Said, thank God you do. And I'm so glad you believe. And then she said, you know what? every night I close my eyes, and I think, I'm going to wake up in hell. And he went, what? I'd have never, ever believed that about this person, but this is a person who they thought, super neighbors, fantastic people, lovely family, and this woman is carrying around this sense of every night when she closes her eyes, will I wake up in hell? He said, I got brought up in a Baptist home, and I was told that, you know, you got two choices, you got Jesus, or you got hell. And you know what? I'm I haven't been going to church. I haven't been walking. I have been behaving properly. i doing what I need to do. And then all that religion dropped on her. And every night, every night before she closed her eyes, she was like terrified she may wake up in hell. Ooh. You know what? You may not think that person looks like they need Jesus, but I tell you, nobody really knows what's going on in the mind of a heart of another individual unless they reveal it to you. And when she revealed that, she said, oh, my goodness, Pastor. You keep on saying, reach your neighbors. Talk to your neighbors. I always said, my neighbors are fine. They're doing great. No, they're not. Right now, there's a sentence written against people. You're either a believer or you're not a believer. And if you're a believer, you have eternal life right now. If you're not a believer, there is a sentence of death on you. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. (laughs) The wrath of God. What's the wrath of God? See, God doesn't send wrath on you. It says that God gave them over to their desires. Which literally means, you know what, there's wrath that's going to be manifest on sin. And all those who say they don't want anything to do with Jesus, there is a sentence, there is a penalty. And it's not that God does that, it's your unbelief, it's your unwillingness to say, I believe in the Son of God. That's the one thing. Everything else, so what? But what do you say about Jesus? That's the important thing. Tell your neighbor to smile. Just, just reading some scriptures. Romans chapter 1, 16 and 17 all the way to 19. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes for the Jew first and also for the Greek for in it a righteousness from God is revealed that is from faith to faith. It's a righteousness that begins because of faith and it's a righteousness that continues to be manifest in your life by faith. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. It's a righteousness from God is revealed and it's from faith to faith. It's by faith and you continue in faith. For the words says the just shall live by the righteous, you'll manifest righteousness by faith, not by your own human effort or trying to do good, it's a fruit of the spirit that will manifest in your life, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven, say he is it is revealed it is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and righteousness because what may be known about God is manifest in them for God has shown it to them you look in the mirror you can see there's a creator you look in the mirror and you can see that there's something significant happened here you just understanding a little bit about how you are looking at creation itself it all screams that there's order and that there's a creator let me give you some good news there is a creator and he loves you he's nuts about you he's for you every day and he wants to pour his life into you every day he only gives good gifts to his children I mean it's really really good news that's why I would really say I believe it's really that easy I mean God literally says I offer you life I mean if you don't want life there is death I don't want you to choose death he said please choose life but here's what love will never do love will never make you do what you don't want to do Love will never manipulate you. Love will never control you. The devil will manipulate you. He'll lie to you. He'll take you down a path, and he'll dominate you and control you. But the Lord, he loves you. He wants to partner with you. He'll never force anything on you, but he wants you to know, choose love. He asks you to choose life. He asks you to choose love, but you need to do it. And when you do, you open yourself up to a realignment of who you really are and in your relationship with your Father and with your God. Hallelujah. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. They got a hand clap over there. Much appreciated. Thank you. Thank you. Come on. Romans 3, 21 to 24. It's good stuff. Amen? Amen. But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed. See, he's saying everybody tried to be good to be accepted by God. See, I talk to some people and I say, if there is, just humor me. All right. I'm not asking you to believe this, but just humor me. If there is death and there is life, what do you choose? I mean, if, if there's options, are death and life, I mean, what do you choose? They go, oh life. I say, well, how do you get that? How do you get eternal life then? Well, I just believe in karma. You know, you just be good, do good. You know, I do good to others, so then I get rewarded with good. Well, that's your works. So then you're saying that if I be good, I'll get good. Did you know with God, it says there's no one righteous, no, not one. So there's no matter how many righteous works you do, you can't deal with the problem that has happened to all of mankind, which is sin. Not sins, but sin, the noun sin. There's a brokenness that entered into mankind that can only be dealt with by the cross. And it's the same for every one of us. That's why I love Jesus says really simple things like this. Jesus said, I am the door. Have you ever used a door? Like Jesus said, it's that simple. I'm the door. Eternal life, it's right there. Open the door, push through, done. He's the door. And I don't understand the, the pride. I don't understand the the, the selfishness that would say, I'm going to go it on my own. I'm, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to give it my best shot. I trust me to do pretty good. Pretty good will never, ever make it. Because the righteousness that's required is God's righteousness. It's His holiness. But here's some really good news. The holiness that He demands, when you receive Him as your Lord and Savior, He gives you His holiness. It's a gift. He imputes it and imparts it to you so that what is demanded by a holy God, he says, you could never do it, so I'm going to do it for you. The sin you could never take care of, I'll take care of the sin. I'll take care of the problem and I'll equip you and clothe you with my righteousness and I'll do it all and it's all by faith. What does that mean? You just believe. You just believe. You know, that's offensive to a lot of people because that just seems too easy. Come on. I mean, just believe? Just believe? I mean, I got my degree by working hard. That's how I got my degree. I mean, in the Boy Scouts, I got my badges because I worked really hard. But in the kingdom, all I got to do is say, I believe that what you did for me, you did so that I could have your righteousness. And I just believe what you say. I believe you are who you say you are. And I believe I receive everything that you said. Come be my heavenly father. That's it. Too easy. Too stinking easy. And thank God it is For dummies like me, I thank God that he made the bar really, really low. And he said, only believe. That's really good news, isn't it? I mean, that is such a great trade. I mean, it's so wonderful. So I take all of my unrighteousness and my lack of ability, and I basically give it to you, and it got nailed to the cross, and then you give me all of your righteousness and holiness. Yes. And then through that, the real me... The authentic me really comes forth. Yes. That's a great trade, folks. That's a great deal. Isn't that a great deal? It's a great deal. I mean, I like it. All right. So Romans chapter three, but a righteous of God, apart from the law, apart from works has now been revealed being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteous of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who try hard, who behave right, who strive, who take the 20 courses. No, it says on all and for all and in all who believe, say believe, believe. say I believe, who believe for there is no difference for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ. Man, this is good news. Isn't it good news? Every single person can come the very same way. We can all by believing in Jesus be restored to our father and live absolutely righteous before him. Not before me or before your neighbor, but in God's eyes, you are absolutely holy and absolutely righteous. Man, this is a good good, good, good. It's good news. It's really good news. Romans 5, 18 to 21. Are you there? Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation, even so through one man's righteous act, the free gift. Say free gift. gift. See when... Adam fell, something crept into the nature of every single person. All of mankind was broken. It says God created after his own image. He created Adam, but then it says then Adam created after his image. Everything after Adam was recreated, broken. But Jesus came and restored it all. Before they were made righteous by believing in the promise. Now we are righteous by believing in the promise of Jesus and what he did. Or the fulfillment, the performance of what he did at the cross. It's all by faith. Before the cross and after the cross, it's all by faith in Jesus Christ. In the Son of God. One man fell and blew it. But that's okay. Because it says, even so through one man, capital M, Jesus' righteous act, the free gift. Say free gift. The free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so all by one man's obedience may be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. Well, all the law and all the rules do is tell you you're a rule breaker. But, listen to this, listen to this. Oh, this is so good. But where sin abounded, where there was loads and loads of sin, grace did much more abound. Let me tell you what that says in the Hebrew. It says grace hyper-abounded. Where there's sin, brokenness, and pain, there's a hyper-manifestation of the goodness of God. And some people say, oh, at Impact Church, they preach hyper-grace. Yeah, we do, because that's what the Bible preaches. I mean, if you're not preaching the hyper-grace of God, you're not preaching authentic biblical truth. Because God is way gooder than I can imagine. I would never offend him by getting crazy on the goodness of God. Preaching on the goodness of God, I could never, ever go too far. Because he's really, really good. And he really loves you. In fact, sometimes he says, you didn't, you didn't make as big a deal to me as you should have today, Carl. I'm a lot better than you shared. Really? Oh, I'm going to try harder. I'm going to try harder. <laughs> Uh, Are you okay? All right, I'm coming to a rapid conclusion, so hang on. All right, resulting in justification of life for us. By one man's disobedience, many made sinners. By one man's obedience, many made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounds, grace... Abounds much more and hyperabounds. So that sin reigned in death, even so grace, what's gonna reign? Grace, what's gonna reign? Grace, what's gonna reign? Grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Say that's good news, Pastor. I'm telling you. Now let's turn the corner. You ready? 2 Corinthians 5, verse 20. Now then. Now then, now what? Now we are ambassadors for Christ. As though he were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Now then, now what? Now I implore you. I'm telling you, you are ambassadors. And God himself is speaking through you, imploring people, be reconciled to God. It's good news. It's really, really, really good. Amen. All right, here, I'm at a text. I'm going to start preaching now. Are you ready? Numbers chapter 16, verse 41 to 50. Let's see if I can do this in about five minutes. How many think I can do it? How many are there? How many say maybe four? How many say Three, no, <laughs> Number 16, I want you to go there, look at it, come on. This whole chapter's interesting because the whole chapter starts with Moses and Aaron and, and God chose them to lead the people and get them out of the mess. So Korah, who's a part of that same clan, those same families, Korah decided, you know what, we're priests too. And you know what, how come you're the leader? How come you get to do everything? And I, I, I don't want. I don't necessarily think you should be the guy. So you know what, I think I'd like to take a turn at being the leader. So they went, wow, so God was upset about this. God was upset when somebody said, I'd like to change the plan. I'd like to take it into my own hands. I don't want to follow your God-ordained leadership. I want to do it myself. So God said, you guys get your censors and stand. Put fire on your censors, and God's going to answer. And here it is, very exciting. You ready, God? Bless the reading of your word. The ground opened up and swallowed all 250 people who opposed him, and they were all gone in an instant, and only Moses in there and standing there. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. It's a good sermon to preach if people are given the pastor attitude, he can preach that and just hammer them and say, May the earth swallow you up, you feel thank God we live in the New Testament. Amen. He's a good God. You know, but there's some people who are resisting the leadership of Moses, and God dealt with it. So you would think that the people then would go, ooh, that was a pretty rough day. <laughs> You don't want to mess with Moses. But that's not what happened. Let me read what happened. So on the next day, all the people said, Hey, Moses, we're so sorry. We're not going to mess with you anymore because, wow, you the man. God chose you as the man. I'm just going to, you know, honor that and submit to that. So let's just have a barbecue, you know. Actually, that's not what happened. Here's what happened. The next day, all the congregations, the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron, saying, I can't believe it. Are you so uptight about your leadership that 250 people had to die? I mean, I can't believe it, that you wanted a big showdown like you're the big man. I mean, that's what happens when you follow you. People die. We don't like your leadership. So not only did, you know, some of the priests oppose the leadership, but now all the people thought, you know, what happened there yesterday wasn't nice. You know, 250 of our friends got swallowed by the earth, and I'm still ticked off. What a messy text, huh? Where are you going with this, pastor? Follow, follow, follow. Saying you killed all the people of the Lord. Now what happened when the congregation was gathered against Moses and Aaron that they turned around toward the tabernacle because suddenly the cloud covered the tabernacle and the glory of the Lord appeared. God was paying attention. God was listening. What's going on? Now listen, here's what happened. It says the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Get away from the people that I might consume them in a moment. Wow, it's heavy stuff, eh? It's fun teaching the Old Testament because, boy, we all get confused and wonder what's going on. But here it was, sure enough, these people are resisting God. They're resisting his leadership and his purposes in their lives. So then all of a sudden, poof. So Moses and Aaron, look what it says in verse 43. So Moses and Aaron came before the tabernacle meeting. The Lord spoke to them, get away from them. You know, I'm going to wipe them all out. So Moses and Aaron said, good, because they've been ticking me off. I've been telling them to follow me for a long time. They won't pay attention. They deserve whatever you give them. We're going to stand back here, God. You give them a licking for sure, because I'm fed up with leading these people. Come on, Aaron, let's watch. What do you think? That's not what happened. Thank God for that, amen. What would happen if Moses and Aaron and God were having a bad day at the same time? (laughs) Thank you for that, appreciate that. So Moses and Aaron, they fall on their faces. They fall on their faces. So Moses and Aaron fall on their faces and he says, then he turns to Aaron and he says, Aaron, take your censer. Put fire on it from the altar. Put incense on it and quickly run to the congregation. Make atonement for them. For wrath has gone out from the Lord. And the plague has begun and Aaron took it as Moses' commanded, and he ran into the midst of the assembly and already the plague had begun among the people. So he put incense and he made atonement for the people and he stood between the dead and the living. He stood between the dead and the living. So the plague was stopped. Those who died from the plague were 14,700. Ouch. Besides those who were killed in Korah's incident. So Aaron returned to Moses at the door of the tabernacle and the plague was stopped. Wow, pastor, let's not preach out of the Old Testament anymore because that's kind of scary and creepy. Well, I want to preach this because I think it's really amazing that the people that God placed to lead, their response, even the people who were complaining about them, their response was to fall on their face. You got people out there that annoy you, and you don't think they're worthy of saving. You got people that have been frustrating all the. You got people who, you know, don't agree with God, don't agree with whatever. You know what your responsibility is to them. Your responsibility is to be a first responder. Your responsibility is to take your sense or put fire on it. Go get incense and do it quickly and stand between life and death. Just as Aaron, you know, basically, there's a plague coming. People are dying. So Aaron, what I'd like you to do is I want you to get your sensor, go get far from the altar, and I want you to run straight at the plague. Well, Moses, why don't you do it? What am I doing it for? How come all these good ideas have me doing crazy stuff? But can you see Aaron? Aaron got up off his face. He got his sensor. And he ran into the presence of God. He got fire from the altar. Then he put incense on it. And he ran with his censer. And he ran right at the plague. He ran right between life and death. And he stood between life and death. And he said, no more. No more. No more. You know, I picked this because we had some first responders here. You know, those are people who literally run in. They walk in where this could be life or death. But I'm going to put myself between... People and harm. I'm going to put myself in a place where, you know what, if somebody's in a place where there's fire and there's burning and there's, I'm going to put myself in between. I'm going to run with my gifting. I'm going to run with who I am. I'm going to run with my ability and I'm going to stand right now. If there's death on this side and there's life here, I'll put myself at risk so that they can have life. And that's exactly what Aaron did. And the people got life. Because let me go back to the very beginning. What is the will of God that none should perish God doesn't want anyone to go to a lost eternity but folks don't be deceived death is creeping in it's coming and we've got to respond right now we've got if London's going to change it means we've got to respond so let me give you this little outline real quick you ready here it is five responsibilities you ready take your censor well, I don't have a censor pastor what's a censor well every one of them had censors but you know what you got you got gifts and callings You got talents and abilities that God has given you. And you should realize that the reason you are where you are doing what you do, why you have passion about what you have passion about is because God put it in your heart and wherever you are, God has put you there to use your giftings, your callings, and ability to come in contact with people. That's what you're doing. So use your gifts and your callings. Be amazing at your gifts. Be skillful at your gifts and your callings because people are watching. What else? Fire. Be filled with the Spirit of God. There was only one place to get fire was on that altar, and it was the fire of God. It wasn't a fire that they made every day. It was fire from heaven. you got to have fire from heaven on your life. That's why at Pentecost, the Holy Ghost fell. That's why Jesus said, don't do a single thing until you're endued with power from on high. you got to have power on your life, and you do if you're a believer. The Spirit of God is in you. Be baptized in that every day. Be freshly filled with the power of God. Don't go into your job. Don't go into anything you're doing without the fire of God in your life. You know, these guys are first responders. They can't be lackadaisical about what they're doing. They can't, you know, fool around while they're doing their job. I mean, they are out of all the time. They are ready to react right away. When the bell rings, boom, I am there. When the call comes over the radio, boom, I am there. I can't go, well, I wonder if I feel like doing that. They've got to be ready all the time. they got to have their hand on the switch and ready to move when God says move. Fire, you gotta have fire, you gotta have incense. Incense is always in the scripture a type of prayer. Soak it in prayer. I pray for first responders. I pray for them. I I pray for them that, Lord, be with them. Saturate them. Saturate their lives. Be around them. Care for them. Cover them. But you know what? Soak your work in prayer. Soak your family in prayer. Soak your neighborhood in prayer. Soak everything that God puts on your heart. Soak it with prayer. Because that burning incense is going to bring results in your life and people will be touched. And it will allow you to stand between life and death and see people touched. Can I get a Hallelujah. And then another one, number four, say quickly, pastor. Quickly, pastor, quickly. I mean, it's urgent. He didn't say get some fire and then kind of walk towards it. He said run, go quickly. And it says he ran quickly and he placed himself in harm's way so that others could be set free. It's quickly. There's an urgency today about this, folks. Stands said, stand between life and death. Stand there rescuing the perishing, rescuing people with the good news of the gospel that eternal life is offered to you. Only believe. And I tell you, you sow that seed in people's hearts that the pain, the sorrow, the disconnect, the confusion in your life, it can be solved by one decision to just say, Jesus, I believe you are who you are. Align me rightly with my father. Align me rightly with my life. Align me with a sovereign understanding of who I am in him and give them that good news that you are indeed a child of God. You're forgiven, you're healed, and you're free in Jesus' name. One more slide, maybe two. We're in London for London. You are, we are. We're God's first responders. One more slide. We really made it. You ready? John 3, 36. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. He who believes in the Son, not who behaves or does 30 courses or does 25 ways. Well, I don't know if I'm ready yet. Yes, you are. You really are. You absolutely are. Because he's ready for you. And it's the fact that you're sitting here is because you didn't draw yourself. God drew you and he loves you, and he's for you. He who believes in the Son has eternal life, and he who does not believe in the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. I don't like that, because I know it's God's will that none should perish. I know it's God's will that every single person come into the knowledge of his saving grace. I am so grateful, Father. I didn't save me, you saved me. I didn't reach for you, you reached for me. I didn't even know I was lost, you chased me down, and I'm so grateful that I humbled myself and said, I believe that you are the Son of God. Come on, on, stand up with me. You okay? You all right? Well, we're in London for London. We really are. So, you know, that's as close as I'll get to fire and brimstone right there. But I want you to know quite seriously, there is a choice of life and death. There really is. And I want you to choose life. And if you've never chose to believe on Him, I want you to. And there's people in this city... They've never even heard the good news. They don't even know. There's people who, who've never even heard that Jesus loves you or whatever they have heard about church, they don't want any of it. Whatever they have heard about organized religion, it's creepy and weird. But you know what? Here it is. I'm not asking you to join a church or, or believe in a religious system. I'm just telling you there is a real God. He reveals himself as your heavenly father and he loves you. And he sent his son to restore you in a relationship with him. And all it says is Believe. It just says believe. It says if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you have eternal life. That's what I'm offering today. I'm offering all your brokenness, gone, and a life now that can start with God Himself partnering with for all his goodness in you. I'm offering you a, a life that's not just in this world or just temporal blessings for now, but for eternity the one who reigned and ruled over death. He did it for you so that you can have eternal life. He was raised, first one raised, proving that every one of us will be raised. Death has no victory over us. And all you have to do is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. So I'm just going to ask you to bow your heads, okay? Bow your heads, close your eyes, and I want you to pray for all of you here. I want the believers just pray. I want you to get some incense on the fire of your censor. I want you to pray I pray that every believer would get baptized with a passion for the lost like they've never had before. That they would see their communities in a different light. I pray that if the enemy put anything on your eyes to hinder you from seeing the needs of people around you, that it be removed now in the name of Jesus so that you can look and see that the harvest is white. I pray right now for every single person here who who may never have made a decision to say, I believe in Jesus. You may never have made that decision. But, you know, today you want to say, I believe in Jesus. And, you know, preacher, you said that if I say I believe in him, that he takes all my unrighteousness, he takes away from me sin and shame, and he gives me life, and he gives me the righteousness of God himself. That's a pretty fair deal. That's a really fair deal. And I want some. You know, if you've never said, I believe in Jesus, or said, you know, be my Lord, be my Savior. I trust you. I trust you, Jesus. I believe you are who you are. If you've never said that before, but you want to do that today before you go, I want to pray with you. And we're all going to pray, but I want to pray with you. But just to identify yourself that you want to do that, I'm going to ask you just to put your hand up. Nobody's looking around. It's just you and God. That that pressure you feel in your heart, it's the love of God. It's the love of your Father. And if you've never made that decision, I want you to make it today. And if you're going to make that decision, I'm going to count to three. I'm going to go one, two, three. And at three, I just want you to put up your hand. You know, nobody else matters right now. Just you. What do you want to do? And I'm telling you, it's a good decision to choose Jesus. So here it is. You ready? One, two, three. Just throw your hand up really high so I can see it all over the place. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Over here. Just put your hand up high enough so that we can see it. All right? High enough so we can see it. Just lift it right up. You can still do it right now. Right now you can do it. Lift your hand. Okay, you can put your hands down. Thank you. Thank you. Can we all pray right now? How many are so grateful that God loves you? I mean, isn't it so awesome to be a child of God? I mean, come on. Just repeat this prayer. Everybody just repeat this prayer to me. Say, Heavenly Father. I thank you for sending Jesus. I thank you, Jesus, for your death, burial, and resurrection. And I believe that because of the cross I have been forgiven I receive forgiveness now every sin every disappointment in any way that I fall short it's covered in the blood I receive you now as my Lord and as my Savior Holy Spirit come and fill my life testify with my spirit that I am a child of God I confess right now that I am forgiven that I am healed and that I am free thank you for saving me in Jesus name amen wow I'm so grateful that I'm born again I'm so grateful that I have a loving heavenly father and I'm so grateful that it's by faith from beginning to end I'm so glad that I understand my father and his nature, that he's good, only good, and that he loves me and cares for me. And I'm so glad that he's the giver of good gifts. And I just embrace all that he has for me right now. You can ask those who are ministering at the altar today, if they'd come, those who are going to be praying for people at the altar, can you come now and just stand in for me? Thank you, appreciate that. And these folks are here to pray. If you've got anything you need prayer for, if you've got a big decision in front of you, if you've got some pending situation you need wisdom on, if you've got a, a family difficulty, you've got a job difficulty, you've got something wrong in your body, you just want somebody to pray with you about something in your own life that you just want help with, these people are here to pray with you. People get healed, ears get opened, bodies get healed, lives get touched. Wisdom and revelation come at the altar a place where we meet with God individually in a special way so if you need prayer for anything please don't go let them pray with you but I want to bless you now and I want to say happy father's day to all the dads and everybody and if you haven't had a chance to call your dad make sure you call him send him a card and if you'd like me to intercede on your father's behalf you can give me a check as well father we love you we really really do I just thank you for your goodness today Father, I pray that just the clarity of your word, the clear revelation of the good news of your gospel would touch hearts today. I rebuke the enemy to confuse or to destroy or try to take the seed of your goodness from any heart. And I just pray that you would be on each one and reveal your kindness and your goodness. Father, thank you for for Daniel. Thank you for Steve. Thank you for, you know, Dr. Rowe who served in our forces. Thank you for the many nurses and people who, who serve and do so many things in, in our community. And thank you for Nicole and all those agencies she represents. Thank you for those today that walk in When the rest of the world's walked out, they show up. When there's pain and when there's difficulty, they're there. You make a call and they come. They don't ask who you are or what's going on. They show up. And Father, may the passion they have for serving others, may we be touched by that. And may we be first responders for you. May we show up when there's pain. We open our eyes in our neighborhood and see the pain in our communities and be the first to show up with a pie or how can I help you or a blessing. So, Father, right now, in Jesus' precious name, I commission these folks to be first responders. I commission them to go and manifest the goodness of God to a broken world. And I send them in the wonderful love of the Heavenly Father, a great, heaping, gobbing revelation of your wonderful love. I pray the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ to wrap and surround everyone with his favor. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, for your divine partnership in all that we do. Thank you that you go with us to manifest the kingdom in everything and in every way. And we give you thanks and praise for it all. In Jesus' name and everybody said amen. God bless you. Happy Father's Day. Have a blast. Have an amazing day. The altars are open. Please come and get some prayer.